Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Where's the guru? Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Spectacular. This is the greatest. Bickley and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. See, it's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning, happy Friday Valley sports fans. How are you doing on a morning that's 42 degrees out? At least it was when I came in. It's actually fall here. I actually shut my air conditioning off. I was thinking of turning the heat on. (laughs) Opened the windows yesterday. Got a torrential downpour here in the area yesterday. Yeah. I hope you didn't open the windows and then got the torrential downpour. No, it was was beautiful. I'm wearing long sleeves and... Long pants. How about that? That's yeah, that's, you know. that's a new one for you. With Birkenstocks? No, I've got oh, blue good. shoes on. <laughs> blue suede shoes, Jared? Just blue. <laughs> I don't know what they are. All right, we have Leather. no Sarah Cazell today. We have young Zach Larson filling in. Hi, Zach. Hello. Hello. What are, what are you bringing to the table today, uh, Zach? No, not a lot. Not a lot. <laughs> he's got a good He's got a good broadcaster voice, he does. though. Yeah, I, I enjoy his oh, voice. I'm I Zach Larson here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Hey, we should, good. we should all have pipes like that, hey, shouldn't we? Yeah, having a distinctive voice matters, right? Oh, we were all just talking about... Uh, Evan yes- <laughs> Yesterday, the day before, how much we all hate hearing our own voices when yeah. we listen back to radio or TV or something. Yes. What, isn't that a weird phenomenon? Almost everybody has that, where they hate hearing... Not really it- in this business. I would say this business is littered with people who love the sound <laughs> of your voice. <laughs> That's fair. Because no. your voice sounds different in your head Very than it sounds... So. Very much it, so. That goes away, though. I remember being a kid and messing around like t- with... We used to have these things called the tape recorder. So you tape your voice into the tape recorder, and I always remember how different it sounded, but I think you get over that in, in the broadcast world. Like, I sound like myself yeah. when I hear myself. I just don't like the way I sound. I, it, I'm with Jared on this. It, it's like I can talk and broadcast and go, oh, I sound pretty good. And then you listen back, and you're like, yeah. not so much. Whenever I hear myself, I'm like, not- <laughs> you know what? You have that in common with everybody else that hears you. Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's Friday. You know how we feel about Friday. Start the show, Jared. Splash, splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The splash. Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. The splash. Brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Yeah, final day of practice and prep or walkthrough, whatever you want to call it, for the Cardinals as they embark on a three game stretch against the rest of the NFC West. It starts Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks at State Farm Stadium. Seahawks won the first meeting. 19-9. Up in the Pacific Northwest last month, Cardinals were held without an offensive touchdown for the second time this season.
season in that game. Yesterday, defensive coordinator Vance Joseph said uh, he is not sure about Buda Baker's availability for Sunday. Uh-oh. Baker dealing with an ankle injury. Yeah, that's not good. That would be a blow because yeah. the Cardinals need a win at three and five. Seahawks lead the division at five and three. They go for the season sweep. Kickoff two oh five. Pre-game coverage starts on the Arizona Sports app and here on uh, 98.7 at 9.30 after the time change everywhere else but here. Now, mathematically, this isn't true what I'm about to say, but this really is the game of the year for the Cardinals because mm-hmm. you cannot afford to lose this. I do not think there's any coming back from a loss. I tend to feel the same way you do. It's, there yeah. are three games under 500. You've got nothing going. You've got uh, no. So this is the game of the year for the Cardinals. I totally agree with you. We'll have a lot of talk on that game coming up today. The Philadelphia Eagles 8-0 for the first time in their franchise history. They knocked out a 29-17 win over the Texans on Thursday night football. Jalen Hurts threw two second-half touchdown passes in the win for the Eagles. Jarrett, you made the Eagles your Survivor Series pick. Were you sweating it last night? <laughs> Everyone was tweeting me <laughs> because that that was a really close game until like the middle of it the was. third quarter. It was. Alec Houston playing the best they played the entire season all of a sudden and then and then they pulled away the Eagles but yeah I was like I I hope at least people were making money off of me last night for a while. Yeah, I like what uh, I like what people were saying. What if the Cardinals had that kind of ensemble for themselves? One of those sparkly red helmets because they've got the black yeah. that everybody loves. They've mm-hmm. got the white that not many love. The ones that the Fal- or the Texans were wearing last night that could translate to a Cardinals helmet. I like it? the helmets on their own last night, but they didn't. The, the shades of red were different. Than the jerseys? It didn't look great with the red jersey, I thought. But the helmets are nice. But, yeah, I've always been in favor of a Cardinals red helmet. That would be interesting. They should do that. Uh, According to People Magazine, who's breaking all kinds of sports news these days, Amazon Uber billionaire Jeff Bezos looking into buying the Washington Commanders, which would be bad for anyone hoping that he has interest in buying the Phoenix Suns. Of course, he's got a reported net worth of $115 billion, so why choose? Just fill up the cart, the online grocery cart there on Amazon. (laughs) A couple of friends. There has been no rumored or reported interest in Bezos having interest in the Suns or any NBA team, but he's gone down the NFL road a couple times. I'm telling you, we need to pass a law in this country that when anybody gets to the point of being a billionaire, you give them a trophy, and that trophy says you won capitalism, and that's it. You can't make another dollar by another thing. You get to one billion, you get a trophy. Congratulations, you won capitalism. Now leave some some for the rest of us. He's done that 150 (laughs) times. That's what I'm saying. Right. The uh, Houston and Astros one win away from the World Series title after a tense 3-2 Game 5 win over the Phillies last night. Jeremy Pena broke a 1-1 tie in the fourth with a solo home run. Houston added another run on a Jordan Alvarez ground out in the eighth. Philly tightened the gap to 3-2 on Gene Segura's single that scored Nick Castellanos in the eighth. And then trailing by one with one out in the bottom of the ninth, JT Romuto hit a shot to deep right center field that Chaz McCormick, who grew up a Phillies fan, Tracked down, made a leaping catch, and broke the whole city's heart to preserve the win. How about it? Yeah, uh, that was that was drama late. Yeah, but for the most Dra- part, it was a pretty boring. Yeah, game. we <laughs> talked about this beforehand. I'm telling you, if midway through the game, I had this epiphany that here we go. If this was not a World Series game, this is exactly the kind of baseball game I hate. Mm-hmm. Nothing but swings and swing misses, a swing and a miss, swing and a miss, cut out and miss. <laughs> right, because in the postseason, the pace of play didn't matter. I'll I'll give six hours to a good. Play 
playoff baseball game. Yeah. But it, the swinging and the missing, oi! <laughs> <laughs> game six back in Houston on Saturday night. And wait, congratulations to Justin Verlander, who finally got his first it? World Series win last it? night after six losses. Uh, first of back-to-back games for the Suns and Trailblazers happens tonight at Footprint Center in downtown. Suns come in with the best record at 6-1. and one, Their only blemish game at the hands of Portland. Second game of the season, a two-point overtime win in Portland by the Blazers. Um, Damian Lillard, Gary Payton the second remain out for Portland by DeAndre Ayton, listed as probable for tonight's game. I didn't yeah. expect that. Yeah. So I'm shooting at practice yesterday. This, got a good vibe for yeah, this. Yeah. Center did practice on Thursday. Tip-off is at 7. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 on the Arizona Sports app in 98.7. You know what, Vinny? When the Suns win tonight, if they win tonight, they are going to be looked at as firmly the best team in the West now that the Warriors are really actually spiraling. They're going to be fine. <laughs> I know, but they're 3-6. and six. Yeah, they haven't won away from home yet. They're 0-5 on the road. The Brooklyn Nets have suspended guard Kyrie Irving without pay for at least five games because the guard has refused to, quote, unequivocally say he has no anti-Semitic views. Irving posted a link to a film on his social media accounts last week that contains false anti-Semitic views. Irving did, after receiving the suspension, issue an apology on his Instagram account that read, to all Jewish families and communities that are hurt and affected by my post, I am deeply sorry to have caused you pain and I apologize. Well, it's about time. I initially reacted out of emotion to being unjustly labeled as anti-Semitic. Uh, instead of focusing on the healing process of my Jewish brothers and sisters that were hurt from the hateful remarks made in the documentary, end quote. We'll see if uh, it indeed is just a five-game suspension or what happens now that he's apologized. Not a bad apology either. No. If he'd done it a week no. ago, yeah, that's what I'm you saying. would think it was actually sincere. Jared's or had right. he handled his press availability yesterday well, yeah. a lot differently. Well, that's what I mean. That's part of it. Like yeah. if, if, this, if this came out immediately after it, you would think maybe it's sincere, but now, you know, he's mm-hmm. forced into it. Yeah. Jared was right. I went to bed thinking that all holy hell is going to bust loose in the NBA. And then I wake up to see this detailed apology that, as Jared said, wasn't half bad. A little late. Yeah. I couldn't believe he, He's so prideful and stubborn. Oh, I that, thought yeah. for sure yeah. he was never playing for yeah. the Nets again and maybe not even in the NBA again that he was yeah. just going to dig I his heels in. I completely agree with you. Uh, the Coyotes got smacked 7-2 by the Dallas Stars at the Oof. Mullet Arena. Jason Robertson had two goals for Dallas who jumped out to a 4 nothing lead after one period never looked back. Yotes now on the road for a quaint little jaunt of 14 games. <laughs> this is... <laughs> they're playing 20 of their first 24 games games on the road. 14 games! <laughs> and they started the season, remember, with a six-game road streak. Yes! So how is this? Uh, I know wh- why, but... <laughs> it's a poor hockey franchise, man. I'm telling you. This is just... By the just time they ends. get back they from this trip, ends. the new arena could ostensibly be built. Imagine if they were actually a contender. Like, how unbelievably unfair this would be to start the year. Yeah. Uh, that never-ending trek will start in D.C. tomorrow at 1 o'clock in Washington against Alex Ovechkin and the Capitals, who, by the way, Alex Ovechkin now uh, beat the Gordie Howe's record for most goals for uh, one, a player with one team. Wow. Arizona State Sun Devils go for their second win Saturday night when the 12th-ranked UCLA Bruins come to town for a Pac-12 showdown in Tempe. That game gets underway at 7.30. Pre-game coverage starts at 5 on the Arizona Sports 
WhatsApp and ESPN 620. Arizona's got a tough one. They travel to 14th ranked Utah in Salt Lake City at 430. NAU will host Montana State and Flagstaff at 1. College football weekend highlighted by two premier matchups in the SEC. First, it's number one, at least in the college football playoff rankings. Tennessee against number three, Georgia in Athens Whoa. at 1230. And then it is number 10, LSU hosting sixth ranked Alabama at four. Great couple of college football games. Mm -hmm. You you wonder if Tennessee is up to the moment. And this is a huge showcase for Jaden Daniels. Yes, it is. Uh, NASCAR Cup uh, Series Championship weekend at Phoenix Raceway this weekend. Sunday's race will determine the series winner. And it comes down to either Joey Logano, Christopher Bell, Ross Chastain, or Chase Elliott. That race gets underway at 1 o'clock on Sunday from Phoenix Raceway. There is your jam-packed splash for Friday, November 4th. Coming up next, we will dive into the biggest matchup of the year for the Arizona Cardinals if they want to turn this thing around. Seahawks waiting. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on this Football Friday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. When you play a team the second time, there's always things you didn't get to that you would like to. And the way they're playing and, and uh, the last three weeks, really, um, the three-game win streak, they're playing at a really high level. Um, so we know, I think, what probably they're going to do. They know what we're going to do, and it's just about execution. I thought the last time we played them, they, they executed at a really high level in all three phases. And um, we got to kind of match that if we want a chance to win this one. we got to kind of match that. Cliff Kingsbury looking at the second matchup between the Cardinals and Seahawks. That is Sunday at State Farm Stadium. And uh, let's start with the thesis statement. You put it out there. I totally mm-hmm. believe this. This is the biggest game of uh, this season yep. to this point for the Cardinals. Yeah. And I know uh, on a preview on ESPN.com, Josh Weinfuss, who, put, uh, you know, who, who writes for the Cardinals for ESPN, he said it's probably the biggest game in Cliff Kingsbury's tenure. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it, too. I, I think that when you looked at this game on paper, when the schedule was, was released, even in a best-case scenario, even if the Cardinals were firing on all cylinders, beating Seattle at home was a must-win mm-hmm. because we all thought Seattle was going to be a downtrodden team, uh, a last-place team. And and that was a team you were going to have to beat a couple of times, certainly in your own building. It's that and more for many different reasons. And a lot have to do with the fact that the Seahawks are one of the Cinderella stories of the NFL <laughs> this year. And the Cardinals are, are knee deep in it. Former greenskeeper. About to become... Masters. So the question becomes, you know, a couple different things here. Can the Cardinals kind of rise up and put something together that looks like real high-grade football? Can they do it? They're at home. They've been, you know, really bad at home recently. They're on a one-game winning streak at home. Can they... Can they kind of find a way to make this work for them? What is the crowd going to look like? Sorry, folks, to keep bringing this up, but i got to keep bringing it up until it's no longer an issue. And when Seahawks fans are there, you know how the green contrasts with, especially if it's a neon green, a lot of them wear blue, but the blue and the green together... It really stands out. It really pops. It, re- it really pops. And and again, we, we all lived that Philadelphia Eagles game, and it was nuts. It wasn't until we saw the reaction from a field level after that missed field goal at the end that you really kind of saw what it looked like from ground level. You saw what it looked like through the eyes of the Cardinals, mm-hmm. and it wasn't good. 
And so there's going to be that. There's going to be the Geno Smith factor. How for real is Geno Smith? How for real are the Seattle Seahawks? All this stuff. It's all it's all in the mix. I think it's one of the fascinating aspects of this matchup because the Cardinals are still the Cardinals that they were going into that game. They're still, you know, they've been a little bit better offensively. Have they reached their potential? No. Uh, we thought that was going to happen in the Seattle game. It didn't. So the Cardinals are kind of still trudging along while that was the launch point for the Seahawks to turn around their season. Their defense has been very productive. They've had six straight games mm-hmm. with multiple takeaways. Yeah. Since that Cardinals game, statistically, that Seahawks much maligned defense has been one of the best defenses in football. Yeah. They're the team coming in with the confidence. They're the team coming in with three monthly award winners How about in that? the NFL. How about that? Geno Smith being among them. Mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker, Tariq Will, and the others. And this uh, Tariq Woolen kid, that, he he was a star on the field against the Cardinals last time they played. Well, we'll get into this later. I was going to ask Greg Bell, who covers the Seahawks for the Tacoma News Tribune, about this particular subject. But another thing that is just worlds different between these two teams, the Seahawks aced the draft. Oh. <laughs> they got two starters on their offensive line that have uh-huh. played every snap offensively this year, and yeah. that's perpetually been an issue with Seattle. Oh. They got two game-changing defensive backs in Woolen and Bryant. They got Kenneth Walker. Mm-hmm. They got an they edge rusher it. in Boye Mafe. Yeah. They, they have it. absolutely killed the draft, yeah. while the Cardinals, I don't have the numbers in front of me, I would venture a guess to say that there's no team that's gotten less from their draft class this year than the Cardinals. There's no doubt about that. And so I think this is, again, it's why the Seattle Seahawks are one of the real triumphant stories of the football season so far. And it feels amazing, and it feels really heavy and weighty. And then you back up and you say, but we're still not at the halfway point of the season yet. Mm -hmm. And how how long can this be sustained? But I do think you're right about that. I do think that that paints a huge difference between the two franchises, um, the fact that the Seattle Seahawks for years upon years upon years didn't have the draft capital or chose not to invest in the offensive line um, was always, that was their weakness. And Suddenly, the Russell Wilson trade goes down, and they say, you know what? Let's fix this, and they do like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. How many years has Steve Kime tried to fix the offensive line here? <laughs> it's It's been since 2013. Yeah, basically and since he took over. Basically since he took over, and, and to see the Seahawks do it like that, that's another painful thing mm-hmm. this season. And the scary thing is the Seahawks have so much more draft capital now from the Russell Wilson trade going forward in the next couple of years uh-huh. that – just if you're looking at the NFC West going forward, where you thought you were done with the Seahawks, now they're on the rise again. Yeah, and, and to find a guy like Woolen, uh, who, you know, he went to a smaller school, went to UTSA, and had unbelievable measurables going into the mm-hmm. draft process. But you know me, every year I put together the, the, the mock draft tracker, so I, I see all the trends. And early on in the process, Tariq Woolen was showing up in first rounds. Yeah. Because of those measurables. And then... Whatever happened, happened during the process. They find him in the fifth round. How about that? He just that? comes in and changes their defense. Oh, listen, and just watching him play the last time these two teams hooked up, you're like, that kid is just, he, that, that's old Legion of Boom kind of stuff. He's yeah. really that good. Mm-hmm. And sometimes uh, the measurables are good. Yep. You know, DK like Metcalf. Exactly. Choosing mm-hmm. DK Metcalf instead of Andy Isabella. But you never know. Well, Andy Isabella had great measurables, too. Well, he was one of the fastest players in the draft. He, Everybody so, remember Mike Mamula? So I don't know if you can connect all these dots. 
shots, but what you're saying is right. So the 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 general the general deficiency with the measurable guys are that they tend to be maybe lesser character guys, lesser intelligent guys, lesser team guys. The teams that draft them, if they've got really great culture, they can make those guys work. True. Because those guys who are a little soft in those other areas, yeah. they drop into a culture that keeps them between the guardrails. I think that's partially true. At the heart of it, the NFL draft is just yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a giant three-day crapshoot. It is. It is. But this is um, this is part of the victory for Seattle. It isn't just Geno Smith. It isn't just Pete Carroll. It's, it's the ability to kind of go and draft and play young players. Uh-huh. And, and like you pointed out, the, the, the fact that they won two Rookie of the Month awards on each side of the football – that's something, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. That's a kind of that's a pipe dream for Cardinals fans. <laughs> Rookie of the month, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, we'll have a lot more on Cardinal Seahawks as the game goes on, as the day goes on. I should say. Text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next, Suns and Blazers for the next two nights in downtown Phoenix, and it looks like the Suns are getting a little help. We'll get into that straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Auction Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Passes it to D.A. He throws it up off the rim, and it's rebounded by Landale. Put it oh. up the buzzer, and he missed it. Oh, my, you got to look. And at the buzzer, it comes up just short, and the Blazers win it. 113-111, the final in overtime. What a game. That was the final call two weeks ago in Portland. John Bloom, Tim Kepton on the call. Suns come up short in Portland, and that's the only time that's happened so far this year. Amazingly, the Phoenix Suns did not win a basketball game. They come mm-hmm. into tonight's game against those very same Blazers at six and one, uh, and really playing uh, early, good early season basketball. Buttoned up, Vinny. That's, Buttoned up. Who used that phrase? Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. How about that quirk that they play the Trailblazers three of the first nine games and then not and again? Then not again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's quite something that this basketball team. And again, it's people outside this market will laugh and go, "Come on." Go ahead, have fun with your regular season victories. Mm-hmm. Knock yourself out. There's a lot of that going around. There's a lot of that that will always go around. Uh, but it's quite something to me that this team can look this good without Jay Crowder. And it's DeAndre Ayton's gone, and the 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 tandem of Bismack Biombo, Jock Landale, Landale, <laughs> Jock Lindell. <laughs> that combo was pretty good together and has been pretty good together. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the five-player lineups, yeah. the five-player lineup with the Suns' ideal starting lineup has been great among the best lineups with a certain number of minutes played. The lineup, the same four with Bismack mm-hmm. Biombo has been pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. Bismack's been great on defense. Doesn't give you much offensively, but you know what you're getting from him. And he's a, he's a nice luxury to have. Now, will we be seeing that much of Bismack Biombo tonight? Right. Uh, Monty Williams talked yesterday about a possible update on DeAndre Ayton. We'll see. He, he went through a good practice today, but we'll see how, how he responds uh, to the practice. But we don't have like a definitive answer just yet. Yep, uh, and not surprised that this is ahead of schedule is uh, Monty Williams. Not really. I mean, guys that you know put the work in, our st- all these staffs around the league, they're, they're vast in how they can help guys get back on the floor, keep guys healthy, whatever the case may be. So I'm not 
surprised nor am I like you know anything. It's just just the way, just where we live. Uh, but we, we we don't have a definitive, clear cut uh, answer as to whether or not he's going to play tomorrow. He did go through a full practice. And I'm wondering too if the fact that these are back to back games influences Monty Williams' decision on DeAndre. Do you want to ease him back? From what I was Maybe. told, yeah. it wasn't that severe an ankle injury. If you go back to last Friday when that happened, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there was concern because Aiton was down on the ground and he was holding that left ankle. And you think, uh-oh, uh, because I, I, I would have to go back and research it. But I think outside of the suspension, I think every game DeAndre Aiton has missed due to uh, due to injury has been an ankle-related injury. Doesn't it seem that way? Yeah, kind of does. So I, I, I think that, you know, if, if he's not ready, you don't play him. Again, these are just regular season basketball games. Yeah. These are not big decisions to make. Mm-hmm. But, you know, could it be tonight? Could it be tomorrow yeah. night on the second of back-to-back before they go out on the road? Uh, we shall see. Now, Devin Booker, we, we opened this discussion by playing the soundbite of the final call. Uh, and that loss to Portland. Devin Booker, are you looking to avenge that recent loss? We win every game. And, you know, I know we try to create something for every game to find a motivation. And obviously that's something that we see that, you know, it's the only team we've lost to this season. But, you know, we have them back-to-back nights. And, you know, we're just going to take them one by one and try to play the basketball every day. Yeah, one of my takeaways early on, it was really um, evident the other night against Minnesota, Bick, is that this the mindset has not changed. You talked about it and how it's, you know, others around the NBA fan bases. They oh, it's cute. The Suns, mm-hmm. are, you know, they're so so wrapped up in their regular season wins. We wondered will will last year's experience in the playoffs change the mindset of this team? Will Monty Williams coach differently in in game situations in terms of minutes and? You know, basically desire to win those games. That game got close in the fourth quarter against the T-Wolves. That starting lineup came back in with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter, ahead of schedule. I think Monty wanted to ride that bench a little bit more. Mm -hmm. They weren't playing well. Wanted to win the game, so brought the starters back in. I, I think that mindset is still there. So if there's a mindset that needs to change, it's whatever happens in the playoffs right. needs to change. And then you and then you react from tonight's game accordingly uh, for the second of the back-to-back. I mean, if you win tonight's game and you stretch out to do it, mm-hmm. you, you throttle back tomorrow. It just, you, you keep it contextualized. It's just regular season basketball. The, 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 the big takeaways are not for the Suns to be concerned with, but I like I said, I do think... I think what's interesting is that they've got a, a slightly altered energy with some new pieces that I think are, are bringing a lot to the table. Uh, primarily, uh, Jock Landale and Damian Lee. These are this is it, it's just a fresh kind of energy that the mm-hmm. team has. Jay Crowder not being around has kind of really put it on Cam Johnson's plate. That okay, dude, it's it's yours, it's yours, and that's what I'm going to really be looking at here. Is is does Cam Johnson start to stack those really good performance? Doesn't have to go for twenty nine and, and seven threes, mm-hmm. but just good performances. Yeah, because he he before that big breakout game, he really was struggling. In the starting lineup, yeah, not not totally. I mean, if you look at the numbers, um, the the two games prior to the Minnesota game, the big breakout game, he was starting to shoot the three a lot better. The percentage was rising. I agree with you. You don't need twenty nine points and seven threes from from Cam Johnson every night, but he does have that ability to break open games with that shooting ability. Here was Monty Williams on that. He's the guy that. We know that he can make that shot, and teams respect it because they, they keep contesting it. So <laughs> we want our guys to you know, 
have the mentality that even when they miss to keep shooting the ball, especially when they have, have open shots. Uh, he's done a good job of mixing the pop and the dive um, and pick and rolls on offense this year. We, we like that balance. I think it can keep teams off balance for sure. It does for us when we, we're playing against a pick and pop big. But that big has the uh, ability to roll. It can throw off your, your pick and roll coverages at times. So we kind of like that that mix. Yeah, one of the things that I've seen from Cam Johnson, I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this too, mm-hmm. is during his first few years in the league, we would see very occasionally those super aggressive drives to the basket Mm -hmm. Uh, and usually would end up in some spectacular fashion, either a a highlight dunk or some kind of collision uh, underneath the hoop. I think we're seeing that a lot more. I think he's making up his mind to get to the rim and really drive hard to the rim. There was there was one play the other night where maybe it was a couple games ago uh, where he tried to take the rim off the backboard. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was good to see that aggressiveness took a terrible tumble, uh, which is the, the downside of taking those, those those chances, but he looks more aggressive when he puts the ball on the floor, and that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, well, it, again, I think there's a lot of similarities between the way he has to play to reach that ceiling and, and D.A. I mean, mm-hmm. and there's a level of force that both have to bring to their game. And and because Cam Johnson has got athleticism that's, that's it's, it's crazy and surprising at the same time. So, yeah, that's I think that's something that, that gets added to his game, and, and if he can adopt that kind of physical mindset it, it will help him defensively can i can i uh, since we're talking about cam johnson yeah this has been cam. A, exactly johnson. where i'm going vince I'm sorry this is a much much requested soundbite that we have been unable to find until right now the origin of our cam johnson uh cadence yeah cam johnson I'm sorry? Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson? Yes. Context, please, Gambo. Context, Gambo. The Suns are going to take Cam Johnson. Okay? <laughs> That's great. Look, I don't know. Keep that, keep that earmark, bookmark. I got it. it yep. I don't know how many hours of my life I've spent on the radio doing shows. That was great. That was one of the greatest moments ever. We it were both there, right? Yes. Yeah, we, yes, it, it was, was definitely one of the that most awkward. <laughs> well, definitely. It was that. It's definitely that. <laughs> and here we are all these years later, uh-huh. reaping the benefits of the Suns taking Cam... Johnson? Johnson? <laughs> Cam Johnson. Right. It's always great to break live news on the air when you're not quite sure what that news happens to be. Cam Johnson? Yeah. <laughs> Coming up next, there's another oh, big so story great. in the NBA, and that's the suspension of Kyrie Irving by the Brooklyn Nets. We'll get into all the details and reaction to it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Octane Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Tyrese, for the record, do you have any anti-Semitic beliefs? Again, I'm going to repeat. I don't know how the label becomes justified because you guys ask me the same questions over and over again. But this is not going to turn into a spin-around cycle of questions upon questions. I told you guys how I felt. I respect all walks of life and embrace all walks of life. That's where I sit. I think what people want to hear, though, is the yes or no on that question. Yes or no. I I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. 
I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. It's Kyrie Irving yesterday dealing with the uh, media. That dealing with the media and his refusal on that question to say yes or no. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly his refusal to say no. The media uh, <laughs> tried uh, to help him, too. Uh, yes. right. uh, that led to a suspension and a statement put out by the Brooklyn Nets last night that read, over the last several days, we have made repeated attempts to work with Kyrie Irving to help him understand the harm and danger of his words and actions, which began with him publicizing a film containing deeply disturbing anti-Semitic hate. We believe that taking the path of education in this challenging situation would be the right one and thought that we had made progress with our joint commitment to eradicating hate and intolerance. We were dismayed today when given an opportunity in a media session that Kyrie refused to unequivocally say he has no anti-Semitic beliefs, nor acknowledge specific hateful material in the film. This was not the first time he had the opportunity, but failed to clarify. Uh, they ended by saying uh, it's a five-game suspension without pay at the very least. Mm-hmm. And that led to what surprised a ton of people. And that was Kyrie Irving, actually, on his own, issuing a pretty meaningful, effect- effective, and well-worded apology. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, and, and so where it goes from here, I'm not sure, but but what Kyrie Irving did uh, over the night about midnight on Instagram uh, was significant because I went to bed thinking that all hell was about to break loose in the NBA because for a lot of different reasons. First of all, anybody who has any knowledge of history understands anti-Semitism, understands the Holocaust. Uh, Jared happens to be Jewish. My wife happens to be Jewish. We have learned from history that when any of these things kind of pop up, you have got to speak up and condone it immediately because hate when emboldened is very very dangerous mm-hmm. okay so so at this point in time uh, where anti-semitism is popping up all over the country it is incumbent for people who know the effects of this and see where this is led to stand up and say stop this we don't need we can't be doing this so Kyrie Irving won't go there and now suddenly it's becoming more and more divisive, and now it's putting pressure on other players in the NBA to mm-hmm. speak up and, condo- and condemn Kyrie Irving, which many of them have been reticent to do, right? Has anybody? I don't think anybody has. No, that's the closest so, thing is Robin Lopez retweeted something that was condoning Kyrie, but he didn't himself say it. Okay, so w- w- so I mean, Booker yesterday said that he mean. not condoning, condemning, Condem- condemning. I'm yes. sorry. Yeah. So Devin Booker Big was difference. asked about yes. it, and Devin Booker was in. I, I don't really know much Which, about it. There was response okay. to that, uh, and some people said, "Well, that's disappointing that Devin Booker wouldn't come out." And, and here's what Devin Booker said on it yesterday when asked. I haven't paid much attention to it. To be completely there, I mean. If that they don't, they shouldn't be in that position. Okay, they, they, they shouldn't. shouldn't be in that position. But this is a league that wears Black Lives Matters T-shirt, and if 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 they want people to be sympathetic to a, a, a very worthy cause, then you can't be condoning this. And so all of this is uh, was a growing issue, bubbling right at the feet of the NBA before Kyrie Irving posted what he posted. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. But it all comes down to me to the question, is silence condoning it? No, but, the, but, but, the but mo- there's a responsibility. Yes. We have learned from history. But, exactly. There's a responsibility to stand up and say, this is wrong. Well, what Kyrie did last night by apologizing was he, he lightened the load on his fellow players. And there's a lot That's of people. It. I mean, LeBron James speaks out on pretty much everything. But again, his relationship with Kyrie Irving... There hasn't been a reaction. 
Um, I guess the inconsistency is one of the things, not I guess, I know the inconsistency is one of the things that's frustrated this, uh, frustrated people about this. But it all falls on Kyrie Irving, who again had many opportunities to make, you know, don't post it in the first place. Kyrie Irving fancies himself as uh, as this deep intellectual thinker, and mm-hmm. I do believe he's an intelligent person. Unlike a lot of other intelligent people, I don't think he listens to other points of view. I don't think he acknowledges other points of view, and that's what got him in this mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's like Phil Mickelson, very, very intelligent, but also mm-hmm. burdened by the belief that he's the most intelligent person in any room, every room, all the time. Don't you yes. think one of the worst qualities somebody could have is... The inability to admit they're wrong ever. Yes. And that, that to me is at the core right. of all of this is that all he had to do is after he posted it, which he originally, which he eventually did is say like, you know what? After I watched it all the way through, there is, there's not, there's stuff that I don't agree with in here that's wrong, that's incorrect, that the, I shouldn't have done it. All he had to say, but he, he, for him to just, you know, I'm just putting it out there in the world. Everybody makes their own decisions. I'm not endorsing it, but I'm, I'm not promoting. Like mm-hmm. I got so insulted that people were saying he was promoting it, being that he was the one that retweeted it on his Twitter. Yes, account. absolutely. And mm-hmm. then people are pointing at what? Well, Amazon's well, got it available on their platforms, and and uh, you know, availability is not an endorsement. And Amazon makes that very clear. But the Nets had their hand played for them. They suspended them. Here's Adrian Wojnarowski saying that that's not what they wanted to do. The Nets felt they had no alternative left after spending a week trying to work with Kyrie Irving, uh, educate him uh, on the impact that uh, his promotion of that hateful, essentially hateful anti-Semitic documentary uh, shared on his platform had 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 on the world. And, And so I think for the Nets, the NBA, you know, they they were in a position uh, where this had become an untenable situation with Kyrie Irving. And I think the Nets realized after two attempts in public uh, with the media, the fact that Kyrie Irving would not uh, denounce uh, what was in that movie, would not apologize uh, for his role in promoting and, and certainly really hurting people. I, you know, I want to focus on two words mm-hmm. that Woj used in that soundbite. And that those two words are untenable situation. Kyrie Irving has been connected to a litany of untenable situations in his NBA career. This one, certainly the most controversial. Uh, others in the past, I mean, his refusal um, to, to, to get vaccinated. We went through that drama over the last couple of years with the whole country dealing with COVID. I, this might, this to me might be the most untenable situation. When you consider where he's at in his career, mm-hmm. and I know, Jarrett, you said earlier in the show, you thought, you know, after the suspension came out, that might be it for Kyrie Irving. I don't, I don't think the Nets lessened that suspension. I think he probably plays at some point uh, the rest of this year. But moving forward, who I, wants to get into the Kyrie Irving business in I the know. NBA these days? He's yeah. a free agent, right, after this yes. year now? Yeah. He opted into this year. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. I, I thought, like Jared, when I went to bed last night, that this thing was going to be just a raging bonfire of nastiness, and, and it was going to be the end of Kyrie Irving for a while. I, I don't know how this apology is going to hit. I read it. It was it was it seemed to be very, very sincere, but but what explains his attitude in the last couple of days? It's the same 
Is it just the stubbornness that you pointed to, Jarrett? Is that all it was? The press conference was the same day that his apology right. was. I know. But, but the, the sequence of events made it seem like the apology read sincere. But how could you take it as sincere when it only came after the suspension, where in the wording it said that we're not going to unsuspend them? Because it said a minimum of five games until he you know, shows that he's sorry or whatever. And so it made it seem like, okay, if that's what I have to do to come back and play. I mean, it, it, the way he handled the whole um, vaccination stuff last year was the guy who just didn't want to be told what to do. And yes, that's why right. that's why I I thought when they said that you have to apologize, that's why the way he handled the are you anti-Semitic thing was him, you know, I'm not going to answer your questions because you can't tell me how to act and how to respond and what to say. So I thought for sure that there's no way he was going to ever apologize because they were making him apologize. Well, Kyrie Irving is, is, has always struck me and still strikes me as, as the kind of person that will give up something very important to him as long as his point gets across. So, and I still feel that way. Like, I think, like I said, the NBA career might be in jeopardy moving forward because... Now the damage is done. But that's why I believe what Jarrett just said. That's why I believe there's some heartfelt, at least some level of heartfelt you know, feeling there. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what's going to happen here is he's going to serve a five-game suspension. He's going to have to get in front of reporters now and talk about this. And, and what that's going to sound like will be interesting. And then if it's interesting enough, he's going to get traded to the Lakers, which means Kevin Durant is going to be right there for the Suns. The Suns are going to send Jay Crowder, Dario Saric, every draft pick they have, maybe Cam Johnson, and Kevin Durant's coming to Phoenix. The Suns are going to finish 75-7. and seven. End of story. Cam <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> End of story. Cam Johnson? <laughs> you remember the summer we thought that whole Kevin Durant thing was dead? Uh-huh. 75-7, and seven, Vinny. We, we thought the Nets were going to be a dumpster fire. Nobody had Kyrie Irving <laughs> anti-Semitic views uh-huh. on their radar at all. <laughs> no. Goodness. Uh, coming up next, Cardinals facing their biggest game of the year against the Seattle Seahawks. We'll take a look at both teams next. Bickley and Murata mornings on this Football Friday on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.